up, folks? Welcome back to Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And joining me, of course, is my co-host, James Johnson. Jay, who held it down solo last week in my absence. Jay, really appreciate you doing that for me. I was complimenting you, of course, last week when I was like, man, I have no idea how the hell you do a whole hour plus by yourself. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a real testament to your podcasting skill. You know, I, I learned pretty much everything I know about podcasting from you. So it's good to be back here with you. And again, I appreciate you, uh, you know, holding down the fort uh, while I had a, a short hiatus there. Yeah, man. Appreciate the respect and the kudos, man. And uh, to answer your question, like it was just one of those lucky weeks where the juices were flowing. And um, basically, I had a variety of topics to to discuss, basically. And some of those leaked over to this week. So like that kind of saved me some time there. I had so many topics that I didn't have to really look nothing up this week. So um, appreciate everybody that listened instead of, you know, Xing it out or hitting stop when they found out uh, when they found out that you weren't on it. And uh, yeah, man, like it, it was just a little bit of just digging back to my roots. So when I first started podcasting before I met you and Eric and engage in the crew, you know, like I started off on blog talk radio, just kind of doing a little solo thing. So I had to go back to 2012, if you will, to kind of <laughs> to uh, figure out how to make it entertaining uh, while just sitting in, the, uh, sitting in the room by myself. So nonetheless, as always, we appreciate everybody that has uh, checked us out and rated, comment, and subscribe. Um, as I said last week, without y'all, we can't do this. So appreciate y'all and uh, looking forward to uh, speaking on to uh, this week's topics again, which I had wrote down from last week. Yeah, 100%. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for all of the support. We really, really appreciate it. And of course, you know, we're in a little bit of a downtime here as we wait for training camp to start, you know, now that the mini camps are over and done with. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be uh, any less to talk about here on Believe in the Jaguars. We have a lot of really, really fun content set up, working on some really exciting guests for you as well. If you have been listening and you do enjoy the show, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star review. It is one of the best ways to support the show. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can tweet the show or find it on Instagram at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is at SportsGrind underscore Dawn. Make sure you're keeping up with the Jaguars wire for all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. And of course, before we get started this week, we have to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, Bet Online. You know, the month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and features, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, Face off or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks. So let's get into the episode here this week. And Jay, I wanted to start off by just kind of commenting on some of the things you were discussing as far as why the Jags would make a good uh, topic, I guess you would say, feature for Hard Knocks, which, of course, as we all know, is the HBO show that we get every single year. It takes place during the preseason and uh, you guys know just as well as anybody, you know, the, the Hard Knocks show has the ability to create stars out of players who otherwise would have been unknown, right? I think that's one of the the greatest things about it. And I don't typically watch Hard Knocks every single year, but, you know, I do keep up with what's going on. And, of course, the side stories um, that are always, always incredibly interesting. And, of course, if the Jaguars ended up on there, I would certainly certainly watch uh, each and every single week. And, and, Jay, one of the things, this is actually something we talked about off air sometime last week as far as you know um, some fans maybe not wanting the team to be featured on hard knocks and while we can certainly understand that I was definitely just like you Jay in that camp for a little bit but I, I would be much more inclined to say no to this if a guy like a Jalen Ramsey was still here or even Yannick Ngakwe when he was disgruntled because I think that would paint the franchise in a in a bad light. Now, I'm I'm not going to take anything away or discuss more than I need to as far as Jalen Ramsey and you know his attitude and and how he kind of handles himself. You know, you kind of have to be 
have that kind of personality to be a DB in this league. It's kind of comes with the territory, but I would say with him not here and the team being it, it's at least it seems for right now when we're talking June 23rd, 2021, the team seems to be in a healthy state. And I think that would be, you know, that, that would lend itself to, again, bringing guys to the forefront, such as DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, um, you know, guys uh, such as uh, Brandon Linder, uh, Josh Lambeau, all these marketable guys, James Robinson, even though he is a quieter, uh, you know, a soft-spoken guy. Guys that maybe wouldn't get the exposure otherwise, because as you mentioned last week, Jay, we're not getting a whole lot of primetime games. I think because the locker room seems to be in a good place, that I would be more open to hard knocks coming here than in years past. So what do you think about that, Jay? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of that, and especially what you said about Jalen Ramsey and, you know, the timing wasn't necessarily right, especially last year with the disgruntledness and with his situation with uh with Yannick. Well, you know, Jalen's been traded for two years, but I'm, I'm saying if this would have occurred in the past when we had those guys in the locker room, you know, there was some disgruntledness with him and Yannick in terms of getting their contracts, and we saw the disgruntledness come up in the last year's uh you know, series of hard knocks because the Rams were on there. And if I can recall, I think it was one of the first episodes, uh, Jalen Ramsey just kind of had an attitude towards, you know, anybody asking him about his contract situation, and he just kind of didn't want to talk on that. And, he, um, you know, he kind of just walked out on the media for a brief little uh, five minutes or whatever the case may be. Like, that episode was, like, so long ago. I saw it last year, so it's like – it's not as clear as I, um, you know, it's not clear in my mind, but I can remember that and, you know, just kind of leaving the media hanging, which, you know, we kind of saw that kind of a, a deal with Jalen here. You know, he wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't exactly see eye to eye with the media here and everybody know what I'm talking about when I say that, but he didn't exactly see eye to eye with the media and, you know, that would have been a thing here as well. And, you know, maybe Yannick and Gakwe want his money as well. That being said, I agree uh, this, the roster is in a healthier state. You got a lot of quieter guys, a lot of guys who are hungrier, a lot of guys who, you know, we said it, like a lot of these guys are, you know, draft picks that the Jaguars had stockpiled and, and turned into actual, you know, uh, players that they selected or whatever the case may be. So you're looking at a severely or a very, very young roster, not necessarily the youngest roster in football, but one of the youngest rosters in football. And you're looking at a team, too, that just is no egos there because they haven't – this team and this group hasn't really achieved or um, done anything together of, of, you know, that's worth noting, at least. Um, they're coming off a 1-15 season from last year and didn't look good the year before either. So, you know, like these are a lot of hungry guys that don't really have a lot of egos. And another thing is, like, these are a lot of guys that Urban Meyer has brought into the equation because he felt – uh, comfortable with the job that they would do to help him be successful as an NFL head coach. I think too, one thing that would be beneficial as well. And remember, this is all speculative guys. We don't know if the Jaguars are going to end up in hard on hard knocks there. There's every chance that, you know, this is going to all be moot and it won't really, won't really matter. I think it would also be beneficial now that there are guys such as uh, Shaq Griffin that are here. And again, his, energy and his attitude have been um, contagious, right, Jay? I mean, it's just taken over Jaguar social media. Everybody is loving how positive he has been. And also Rayshon Jenkins. You know, these are two guys that are coming from the West Coast, you know, in, in two huge markets, of course, Seattle and then Los Angeles. And there's, of course, this public perception, this national perception that Jacksonville is kind of, you know, a, a pretty boring market. Of course, we're one of the smallest markets in the entire league. We're a team that's never really been taken seriously. Of course, we had 2017. And I think it would just be beneficial for Hard Knocks to come in here. And, and you see these two guys and Rayshon Jenkins and, and Shaq Griffin, who have come from these other teams that have been you know very successful, especially Seattle, and show that they have bought into this model. Is Urban Meyer going to work out? Who knows? But again, that would, of course, would be its own uh, its own storyline in its own right that doesn't even have to write itself it's already here so I think that would be beneficial as well and like you said Jay you mentioned this last week you know fans are complaining that we're not necessarily getting primetime games well hey this is a primetime spot for a whole month and I, I think that in, in and of itself should be something that fans would be excited to see 
because we know how good this team is. We know how entertaining DJ Chark and, and LaVisca Chenault can be. We know how entertaining Kayla Vaughn and, and, and Jaid Ward and all these guys and Jihad Ward are, and all these guys are. And I think it would be exciting for the rest of the league and the rest of the fans, both casual and hardcore to see some of those personalities. Yeah, I agree. And and not only that, but like like I said last week, it don't really matter who was going to be on Hard Knocks. It's just such a popular show that people were going to tune in anyway. But it's just an added bonus when the team is actually entertaining, which the Jacksonville Jaguars would be with all of the names that you just named. So, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree on that. And I mean, like once upon a time, the Jaguars were and I think this was filmed by HBO, too. They were on a training camp edition or a summer camp edition of um you know like a documentary it was kind of like hard knocks and it was actually entertaining and uh you know that alone like just shows me that you know they'll be fine on the big screen this time around uh this time around because i mean like the storylines are there even more so than then when jack del rio and those guys did it and uh you know this is a young hungry team that you know, I, I think like the that America would gravitate towards and uh, really, really like. And, you know, it can help them get a following outside of Jacksonville as well, heading into the regular season as well. So we'll see where it goes. We don't know if they're going to get approved for hard knots or if they're uh, they even have their name in the hat or whatever the case may be. But time will tell. And, um, you know, like it will be a grand opportunity. And let's also kind of acknowledge that there, too, Jay, as far as, you know, extra eyes on the team. We kind of saw how in 2017, fans outside of the fan base that, of course, weren't, you know, Buffalo, Pittsburgh or Patriots fans were kind of drawn to this team because they had an attitude about it. They had Blake Bortles, who was this, even though, you know, his his talent, you know, was <laughs> obviously was a little questionable. They had Blake Bortles and, you know, and this was uh, when he was such a polarizing figure and Leonard Fournette and, you know, all these these guys in the defense. Um, so, you know, we've already seen that the rest of the country, the rest of the fans can already take to this team. Like, and now they're in a position where we have the number one overall pick where you have Trevor Lawrence coming in. You have a guy who was just as maybe entertaining and Gardner Minshew is the backup quarterback. And then as I haven't even mentioned the Tebow side of things, that right there, you talked about it last week, as far as the Jersey sales, that speaks for itself. So we have already seen people from other fan bases gravitate to Jacksonville because of 2017. So I, I think it's a kind of a, again, a, a, a good opportunity for them to be, you know, on, on people's radar for those of them that otherwise wouldn't necessarily care or be paying attention. But that being said, let's move into our next topic here, Jay. And this is actually something you commented on over on Twitter and something that you believe is worth keeping an eye on if you are a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. And of course, that is pertaining to either a new stadium or massive, massive renovations, which, uh, you know, TIA being field desperately, desperately need. So the story comes from WGR 550 Sports Radio, um, stating that the Bills are pushing to build a new stadium in Orchard Park. Um, and, uh, you know, essentially, you wanted to talk about, Jay, why this is going to be so important as far as, you know, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, you know, what were you pointing out over on Twitter as far as why we should maybe be paying attention to Buffalo when it comes to their stadium? Yeah, it was a interesting story because, I, well, you know me, like I check on this story every week, you know, just kind of monitor where teams are that's, you know, in a similar situation with the Jets in terms of their stadium situations or just in general, just look around the league in general and just see kind of, uh, you know, if any new stadiums are going to pop up or, you know, this is something that's in the works. Because as I explained in the past, I kind of like engineering too, like in the, the engineering side of things as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I saw that that news had broke on Friday. And, uh, yeah, I think it's important because, as I pointed out on Twitter, is, you know, Buffalo and the Jags have been grouped in that same tier. They're the only two teams uh, within the last, you know, 15 to 20 years or so that haven't had major renovations or a new stadium. And by the NFL standard, massive, uh, massive renovations count is $400 million or more. And then in the case of uh, Buffalo, who've had their stadium since, this, uh, I think, 1970s or something like that, they haven't done that. So neither team has had massive renovations or neither team has uh, built a new stadium uh, in the last 20 years or so. So they are basically the two teams that everybody has been looking at 
to make a long story short, those are the two teams everybody have been looking at in terms of, you know, relocation stories or whatever the case may be. That said, um, the Bills have come to the conclusion that they want to build a new stadium, according to the reports at least, which is, uh, you know, interesting because the Pagulas who own the Bills spent like a year or two or so just kind of surveying what they should do. And uh, that being said, they have decided that, uh, at least according to the reports, that they want to build a stadium. The range was, I think, they said an estimate of $1.5 billion, which is on the – really, that's as cheap as you're going to get a new stadium, a brand-new stadium. And I just kind of found that interesting because they provide the blueprint for the Jaguars if they have to deal with a similar situation. However, the Jaguars seem set on getting renovations instead, which would be cheaper, and that's fine. Uh, but with them being a small market, whatever the case may be, just like the Jacksonville uh, area as well, they have roughly about the same population, this, that, and the other. It's going to be interesting to see how a small market can handle uh, the the. The situation of having to pay for a new stadium because there may come a time down the road where the Jacksonville Jaguars may have to use that model. So I just wanted to pay attention to that and just kind of bring that to the light for people uh, in terms of just watching in that, uh, watching that situation and monitoring that situation. Yeah, and having been to New Era Field, which I believe is what it's called now, um, you know, it definitely is in need of upgrades, but it also is. It's also the thing is like it has a history behind it as well. And I, I could definitely get a sense of that history just being in the stadium. Now, I was only there for a preseason game, but, you know, it's no secret to NFL fans that Buffalo Bills fans are incredibly, incredibly passionate. And, um, yeah, it is going to be an interesting thing. I know just speaking to my friends up there, a lot of people are not in favor of this new stadium. But, I mean, it is going to have to come about if Buffalo is going to continue playing in Buffalo. Jay, go ahead. I know you had something to add. Yeah, so, you know, like, that's that's important information, you know, for you to, to, to throw out there that you know people in the Buffalo area that don't want a new stadium. But I think what it came down to just upon reading the story is uh, a lot of it seemed like it may be engineering, right? And so the architecture of the Bills Stadium, right, it's, it's an older stadium. It was built in the 1970s, as I said. And the issue is that they, well, one of the main issues is it only has one tunnel that leads into the stadium, which goes underground. And the reason for that is because the Bills stadium sits underground and it doesn't sit above ground. So with one tunnel, you have all kind of, kind of loading issues. Uh, you know, a lot of people using the same tunnel at the same time, whereas, you know, these other stadiums and newer stadiums have multiple tunnels in them. A prime example, if you look in at Jacksonville uh, at TIAA Bank Field, it was built in the 90s. And this is where the Jaguars are helped by having a newer stadium, which I mentioned, is they have multiple tunnels and multiple entrance into the stadium. And, you know, we see it when the players come out, you know, the Bills players might come out on a, another side of the stadium and then the Jags come out on the opposite end, whatever the case may be. At least, like, to my knowledge, is at least in terms of getting onto the field, it's at least three to four entries, you know, in terms of getting on the field. And that's important. So with the Bills, you know, to dig another tunnel and make another path into the stadium for loading and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, it will probably be costly is what the issue is. Because, again, the stadium sits underground, whereas the Jag Stadium sits above ground, which makes it easier to renovate and so on and so forth. So the Bills very well could have wanted to renovate the stadium. But the thing is, it sits below ground and it's an older stadium. So it might cost more to dig and build a tunnel and an entry into the stadium. So you might as well just outright just flat out build a, a new stadium in their eyes in terms of looking at the costs and all of that stuff. So I don't know if that makes sense to you, Phil, but in terms of engineering, that's how I gather the key part of it. And another part of it is also with the fans, they're also, or they are also kind of disappointed with the fact that if they build a stadium, it's going to be an open air stadium. Uh, if you spend $1.5 billion on the stadium, you know, you would prefer that it has a dome or have a dome or whatever the case may be. Uh, but a lot of fans aren't in favor of that, and then there are some who are in favor, so there's some conflict there because some people like playing in the elements because it's an added bonus and it kind of helps the home team. But, you know, they got to sort that out as well. But I don't know if all of that made sense to you. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, Again, like you said, even even though 
as I said, even though it is draped in history as far as that stadium, I mean, it is so incredibly outdated. I mean, Jay, I was sitting in bleachers, for God's sake. I mean, listen, I had a really good time. I love the city of Buffalo, even though I, I, I know it's got a checkered history as far as, you know, our matchup with the Bills. But, I mean, you guys got to... It, it's got to be upgraded. I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect you, but I mean, they're, they are in desperate need of an, of an upgrade way more so than we are. I mean, just for the reasons you just mentioned there, Jay. So, I mean, it, again, it's something worth keeping an eye on. We know we're going to be talking about this quite a bit over the last uh, over the next few years, I should say, you know, and of course, that's going to start with um, hopefully some of these shipyards plans coming to fruition. And then we'll see what happens after that. Well, let's get into our primary topic here, Jay. And, you know, as we mentioned, we're here in the off season. Everyone was just released after mini camps and, you know, they're off doing their own thing until training camp reports. Uh, so we want to have a little fun here as far as this episode goes. And this stems from a tweet, Jay, uh, that we came across. Uh, let's see. It's about a week, a little bit over a week ago now uh, from PFF's Austin Gale, who sent out a tweet that said Zach Wilson has a better supporting cast than Trevor Lawrence and should put up better numbers in year one. So we are going to take it upon ourselves to discuss this. Now, of course, we understand that we are not following the New York Jets each and every single day, just as Jets fans and any uh, Jets um, media members are not following the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's just not how it goes. But we wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive into this statement. And, you know, Maybe this will lend itself to a conversation down the road, Jay, with our um, our our believe in uh, believe Jets counterparts, which is the Underdog Jets podcast. I want to give them a shout out. That's hosted by Robbie Sabo and the great Wayne Corbett. I do. Uh, we have to obviously give our respects to Wayne Corbett, who is who was a fantastic player. I loved watching him play when I was younger. So, shouts out to them. But we did want to discuss this because our first reaction i think is uh i think of uh the rock video uh <laughs> that goes viral all the time over on twitter i won't say it here but you guys know what i'm talking about uh so jay you know what? let's let's kind of unpack this tweet here just a little bit because your initial reaction is absolutely not but we wanted to take a little bit at least somewhat of a um uh, somewhat of a uh, analytical dive into this statement and ultimately, we are going to still come to the conclusion it's just not true, but we at least want to look at some figures here. So let's start from the very beginning. You know, this tweet comes up and it's making the rounds um, uh, amongst Jaguar Twitter. You know, what was your initial reaction when you see this? Because Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, of course, are going to be tied together for their entire careers, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, so my initial reaction is I just looked at the offense is just off the top of my head and as a whole. And I, I mean, like, as soon as I saw the tweet, I was like, yeah, I'm not really feeling that. I don't think that's true. But at that point, I just kind of just visualized the offenses in my head. And I just came to the conclusion that, you know, the Jaguars are just like, in, in terms of even having that conversation, uh, they have a lot of, and this is odd to say, they have a lot of guys that are more proven on offense than the Jets, at least just, upon that, uh, that initial thought that I had. And a lot of what might be based off of that for the Jets and that statement is potential. You know, there's a lot of rookies and, and so on and so forth to put into that equation and what they could potentially be. Uh, but again, those players aren't proven. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think like that's where the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we'll get into the discussion later, that's kind of where they distance themselves in that conversation. And then in terms of, the quarterback conversation because people have been having that, that Zach Wilson, which is just baffling to me, is a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence. And, I mean, like, of course, you know, we have to see what will happen in the NFL. But if we're going by uh, what we saw in college, I mean, this shouldn't even be a thing. It shouldn't even be a discussion. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was the number one recruit coming out of uh, high school. Uh, he was a guy that won a national championship, beat Alabama, uh, in his first year of starting, had to replace, had the daunting task to replace Deshaun Watson. While, you know, like, all due respect to Zach Wilson, all of the competition he had at BYU, uh, at BYU doesn't really compare. And not only that, I, this is the one that, this is this is basically the nail in the coffin to, to basically put an end to that debate between Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. 
Okay. The reason that we found out about Zach Wilson last year is because he came out of nowhere because he had been injured prior. His big thing was he could never stay healthy until this year. So one guy has been available aside from Trevor Lawrence getting COVID, right? Um, And the other guy has struggled with health. So we don't even know if Zach Wilson is going to be a healthy prospect. And you can make that argument for Trevor Lawrence too. But we don't even know if he's going to be a healthy player in the NFL. And Trevor Lawrence's body of work would say he has a chance to be healthier than Wilson if we're going by durability in college uh, in terms of the NFL level, if you want to go that route. So, like, that, to me, that's the the nail in the coffin to that conversation right there alone. But, hey, you know, you have some people who see it otherwise and just think that Zach Wilson, and he could be, is going to be, like, the next big thing. Now, listen, Jay, and then I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. And I'm not saying that Austin from PFF is doing this, but – I mean, do you even think that we would have been talking about Zach Wilson this much if Trevor Lawrence had just ended up in New York? You know, I, I know I can just kind of tell that a lot of national media, national pundits probably aren't very happy that this number one generational talent ended up in a city that they probably don't want to come visit. All right. We're not my, Miami's eight hours down the road. You know, we're not L.A. We're not New York, obviously. Do you think it has something to do with that? Again, not saying that that's what Austin is saying, but I mean, I hadn't really heard of Zach Wilson really much at all. Again, because he said that he wasn't necessarily available, but even and we, this is another discussion we actually had during the week. You know, if the Jaguars had not been in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence, who, who do we think they would have gone after? We, we, all of us collectively in our group chat had, you know, had our sights set on Justin Fields. That's probably who we think it would have been. So we weren't even discussing Zach Wilson, how much of this do you think it's that we're not happy that Trevor Lawrence is in Jacksonville? We wish he would have ended up in New York because that would have been better monetarily or viewership wise. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it, you know, and a lot to do with it in terms of the Jets fan base, which is a passionate fan base. But look, man, the thing is, if, you know, they they were able to acquire the first overall pick. You know what I'm saying? They would be calling Zach Wilson if, you know, wherever he went, if it was a Jacksonville, whatever the case may be, even Justin Fields, they would be clear cut and dry saying that Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect. And that being said, you know, it's just a matter of how it all played out. You know, it just so happened to, you know, they won the two games and there, you know, what shows what proves that they really are disappointed in losing out on Trevor Lawrence is when they won those games under Adam Gase, it was against the Rams and they beat somebody else. They were so disappointed in winning those two games. And you can understand that. Like you could like me and you would have certainly been mad if we missed out on Trevor Lawrence too. So that narrative, that whole narrative changed, you know, to where they kind of had, a, you know, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. They had to settle for Zach Wilson and, uh, you know, like in a lot of people's eyes, you know, and, and look, Zach Wilson's tape is entertaining. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's like his tape is like Madden video game, like highlights, you know, and his his throwing ability and his ability to throw off platform and all the crazy throws he's been making. But still, like, to say that he's a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence uh, and, and will be a brother, uh, you know, he's shown that he will be a better prospect than Lawrence on the NFL level is just a conversation that just baffles me and puzzles me to this day. But, you know, Hey, maybe we would have been saying the same thing. I doubt it. Like, you know, and it, for me, I, you actually, you know, I'll talk on that too. You know, for Jags fans, we would have been calling a spade a spade. If we missed out on Trevor Lawrence and won games that we weren't supposed to win, we'd be mad. You know what? We would say, you know what I'm saying? We're settling for Zach Wilson or we're settling for Justin Fields. And we, you know, a lot of us uh, in Jacksonville, like, Justin Fields. We're settling for a guy that wasn't as good as Trevor Lawrence. That's what we would call it, a spade a spade. Uh, with the Jets fan base, you kind of get a sense that they're not doing that, you know, and, it, you know, it might be a little bit of bias going into that. But, hey, man, uh, that's that's another debate for another time in terms of who's going to be the better prospect. We'll see in X amount of years or whatever the case may be. But, uh, yeah, man, I guess we'll get into this whole thing about who has the better supporting cast. I'm so glad you mentioned that too, because like you said, you know, they were losing their collective minds when they found themselves outside on the outside looking in of getting Trevor Lawrence. But then somehow between that time and then now all of a sudden Zach Wilson is the better prospect. Like you said, it just doesn't make 
any sense to me whatsoever. And and the word settle, I think, is is the perfect word because yes, that is that that's what ended up ended up happening. Because this wasn't a draft in which there was a um a Peyton Manning and at the time, right, Ryan Leaf. Now we know how that worked out, but at, at the time that was a real conversation. This wasn't a draft where it was um RG3 and Andrew Luck. Again, we know how that worked out for both sides now. But, you know, either or was considered a win at the time. This draft was Trevor Lawrence and then everybody else. Now, whether that second batch is how far away in in terms of talent that second batch is from Trevor Lawrence, that is yet to be seen. But this one was the Trevor Lawrence draft for the longest time until all of a sudden the Jets Jets fans decided that it wasn't, which was frustrating and annoying, quite honestly. <laughs> the one thing that I, I want to talk about this first here, Jay, um, we're going to talk about the offensive, the offensive side of the football as a whole when we're comparing them. But I, I want to talk about the receivers first, because, of course, you and I were very high on Elijah Moore. We were pretty bummed that, you know, we, we didn't end up getting him. But let's just look at the three starting receivers here for the Jets, because in no universe do I think that Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, and Jamison Crowder are more talented than DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, and Marvin Jones Jr. in any universe, in any realm. I, I just, I don't see it. And that is the first thing that came to mind when I saw this tweet. Yeah, I'm glad you grouped it like that, because, you know, like maybe what Gail was looking at it at as he was looking, he probably was looking at it, uh, the number one versus the number one, the number two versus the number two, and the number three against the number three. So, like, depending on who you put as the number one receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you can make a case that Corey Davis is statistically better. And then when I say that, I mean, like, if you put DJ Chark in the slot, right, as the Jaguars' number one receiver, WR1, you can make the case that Corey Davis, who I think they've been in the same league, uh, the, the league the same amount of time, Corey Davis does outdo him in terms of the statistics, okay? Now, if we call in a spade a spade and we asked people that weren't Jets fans or people that weren't Jags fans, who would they prefer to have? Clear, cut, and dry. I think, and this is bias aside, I think everybody would say DJ Chark between him and Corey Davis. And even if you, like, you know, if you want to say Marvin Jones Jr., is the number one for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, then that just blows what Corey Davis has done out of the water. Okay, we're talking about somebody who had like nine touchdowns in the last nine, uh, three years or whatever the case may be. So, you know, it depends on how, uh, you know, Austin Gale and the Jets fans are looking at this thing. But, yeah, like the way you grouped it is perfect. If you're doing it by looking at their top three receivers against our top three receivers, I'm taking our top three any day of the week. And, again, a lot of what would go into that equation for the Jets it's potential. Like you said, Denzel Mims, who uh, I don't think, like, I was a big fan of Denzel Mims, by the way, coming out of college. But I don't think he had all that great of a season. Yeah. I had wrote his uh, his statistics down. And some of that might have been injury. I don't know. I had to go back and look at that. But, um, you know, he didn't have this monumental season, even though he had flashes and, you know, whatever the case may be uh, during his rookie season or whatever the case may be. And I mean, like, you know, Jamison Crowder is a respectable name, by the way, um, the respectable slot receiver. Uh, but, you know, again, like if you're talking about the future, then LaVisca Chenault, you you probably rather have him over Jamison Crowder because uh, Crowder is approximately 28 years old. You know, LaVisca Chenault is just getting started and he can play multiple positions, though Crowder has to, the, again, the statistics over uh, LaVisca. So, I mean, Another thing, too, is if you look outside of those three, they're probably factoring in Elijah Moore, you know what I'm saying, who we were very high on. Uh, but, again, like what we've said here, you know, it's like it's just hard to factor in potential and players who haven't touched the field yet into this equation, which is why I'm glad you grouped it with those three players atop the depth chart for them at receiver. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, we already touched on them in just a little bit. We, when we look at that that next group of receivers, you, you'll put in Keelan Cole and Elijah Moore. And and I do want to take a moment to recognize Keelan Cole. Jay, it's no secret. You and I are big fans of his. We had kind of an idea that he was probably on his way out as the offseason you know, was, a, was upon us as far as free agency and everything like that. I obviously hope Keelan has a ton of success 
out there in New York. And, you know, him being on a bigger stage, I think is going to be great for him. People are going to see how talented that he, he is. Um, but I also want to say that the NF, I think it was the NFL's Instagram page, completely disrespectful to Keelan. They, they totally, they were like comp- uh, comparing the two wide receiver groups in New York for both the New York teams completely left Keelan off of that list. Again, totally disrespectful. And that, that's when you get now, as far as the receiver comparison, you know, when you get to that second level, that's where there's a little bit more of a, uh, I think you can make the argument, of course, where you have Keelan Cole and Elijah Moore, you pit that up against what? Uh, Philip Dorsett, Colin Johnson, who of course flashed and is of course one of my favorite players on the team for selfish reasons. Uh, but then, you know, that's when you can have a little bit of the conversation, I think. Um, but as far as those first three, when you're grouping, you know, receiver one, two, and three together. Again, I, I just, I do not get it. I, I don't see where they're, um, where Austin is, is referring to as far as that supporting cast. Um, I want to look, uh, stay with the pass catchers here, and then we're going to move into offensive line, of course, um, which is probably more important or just as important, you know, that well, that's up for debate. But, you know, the tight ends are probably a little bit of a push. We discussed that here, Jay. I, I think we would take Chris Herndon over any of the tight ends that we have on our roster right now. Um, but after that, I mean, you're looking at Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, um, and another player named uh, uh, Trevin Wesco, who I'm not familiar with at all. But other than Chris Herndon, you know, maybe you give a slight edge to the Jets. But again, it's it's not something that's like a huge gap as far as, you know, the tight end position between the two teams. Right, you're right. You could We, we definitely would take Herndon probably... And, you know, we definitely could make the, you know what I'm saying? We definitely could, if you're looking at it on a group level of each group on the offense, we could give them that one. But as you said perfectly, they don't take the cake or they don't win that conversation by a lot. They're winning it essentially because their number one guy uh, is the guy that, you know, probably is better than everybody that's on our roster at the tight end position. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean, like, just to sum it up in a nutshell, you said it perfectly. Let's give them that one. You know what I'm saying? But it is, it's not by much. Right. Not not too much to talk about there when it comes to the tight end position. We want to talk about, of course, the offensive line, which, again, is arguably the most important part. And, you know, we'll get this out of the way. Of course, Mekhi Becton. We would take Mekhi Becton probably over anybody on our offensive line. That is neither here nor there. We're not going to argue that whatsoever. He is going to be an excellent player. I, I definitely wouldn't mind him being here in Jacksonville. Would obviously swap him for Cam Robinson. Uh, but Jay, you know, you were kind of breaking down the off the rest of the offensive line here um, uh, before we got started. So w- when you look at the comparisons, it's going to be obviously so important for both of these quarterbacks as far as how their offensive line performs. And we are kind of here at this at this point now where we have an understanding, and most of our listeners, I'm sure, get this as well that the Jaguars' offensive line is not as bad as as people think that it has been. We we think that a lot of that had to do with a Gardner Minshew who was just very indecisive and trying to extend plays. And now we're very interested to see how they perform here this season with a quarterback that, of course, is going to have much better pocket presence, at least we assume. So when you look at the offensive lines, you know, taking Mekhi Becton out of the equation, you know, what do you see and, and how are you breaking them down uh, as far as between the two, uh, the two squads? So, yeah, Phil, when you look at these two offensive lines, right, Again, this kind of goes back to what I was saying before, is if you factor potential into the equation, that kind of helps the Jets. But still, at the same time, I'm not quite sure that it makes the Jets' offensive line completely better than the Jags. So, as you've already said, right, Makai Becton, I think we'll take him over Cam Robinson, and we'll definitely take him over Walker Little as well. Because, again, you can't really factor potential into this. Uh, And we don't know what Walker Little looks like, especially – as we've said, or as I've said in the past, with him not seeing the field for almost, you know, two whole football seasons, basically. Um, I think the last time he played was like in August or September of 2019 against Northwestern, which was their first game. That was Stanford's first game of the year. So uh, definitely, as you already said, and we don't really need to talk on that much, Beckton for sure over those two guys. Now, Elijah Vera Tucker, again, going back to if you want to factor potential into this thing, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, one of the highest drafted, uh, you know, offensive linemen in this draft. They took him uh, early with the. I think they had their, another second or another first round pick, excuse me, that they took him with that they got from. Uh, I think it was the trade where they traded the safety 
Uh, so that being said, you know, can't really, you know, he's going to start, but can't really factor him into that and, and really, you know, put his body of work up against Andrew Norwell, who, albeit Andrew Norwell, for the most part, as a Jacksonville Jaguar, has been disappointing. Uh, last year, Andrew Norwell looked decent, and he was actually a guy that uh, we were actually not complaining about, is how I would put it, for a change. So you, you got to take Norwell over Elijah Vera Tucker, right, because we don't know what he'll look like. But if you want to factor potential into it, then, you know, maybe that can make a case for the Jets. Uh, Linder, I would definitely take him over. Who we're going to assume that's going to start for them is uh, McGovern. Brandon Linder, point blank period. Uh, although he's not been healthy all the time, he's one of the top, what, five, six centers in the league. And, you know, proof of how good Brandon Linder is and proof of how good people know Brandon Linder is, is we've seen this in the past when we had on guests, right? Uh, we'll ask them who is a player that they would take from our team, and they'll say Brandon Linder, you know? like So that just kind of shows you how people outside of Jacksonville view uh, Brandon Linder. A.J. Ken, and then they have uh, Van Roten, I guess we would say, would be starting for them at right guard. Look, me and you have said it plenty of times, we're not the biggest A.J. Ken fans, but look, you know, he's been tenured here for a while. While, you know, Van Roten is a guy, I can recall he played for the Jags a little bit. He's more of a journeyman guy. So you got to give A.J. Ken the edge, uh, the edge there, too, and that's hard to do, you know, because we've kind of – been critical of Ken on this podcast last year again kind of like Norwell though didn't look terrible you know and he wasn't a guy that we saw on film pop out in a bad way last year so uh, I guess you know you, there, he has that going for him and then lastly uh, you got Fant and Jawan Taylor I guess you can get at the Fant for sure because Jawan Taylor struggled mightily last year um, maybe Jawan Taylor can you know as a second round pick can show his upside and, and play to his potential down the road but uh, if we're talking right now, you know, you I guess you can give that one to them. So, I mean, like, really, to be honest with you, overall, when you look at the group five against five, I would take the veteran offensive line, you know, over, uh, you know, this line that has a younger group, especially on that young uh, on that left side. And, you know, that's something that I've always harped on, right, Phil, is when we knew we were getting Trevor Lawrence, you remember and you can recall my big thing was I don't want to put Trevor Lawrence behind a super young offensive line. And I want a veteran offensive line that has spent a lot of time together, by the way. I want a line that's familiar with each other, which they have. All five of their starters are returning from last year. So there's where Trevor Lawrence has the edge. And, you know, as you've already alluded to, the offensive line for the Jacksonville Jaguars could look significantly better with probably somebody not named Gardner Minshew and his indecisiveness behind it. So I think, you know, in my opinion, you got to get the edge to the Jags. But, you know, there may be some people who differ from me on that matter. Yeah, again, you know, and of course, this is all speculative. We're, as we mentioned at the very top of the episode, this is something, of course, we want to do for fun because of the tweet that came up from Austin. And yeah, I mean, it's, again, I think a lot of people, if you really break it down, and we've done a lot of that here over the last year, Jay, on this show specifically, is that the offensive line did not perform as poorly, I think, as people think that it did. Now, we'll see what happens with, Cam Robinson and of course Jawan Taylor and um, everything along those lines. But again, we we expect them. At least we're anticipating them to be better, like you said, with Trevor Lawrence under center. Go ahead, Jay. I know you had something to add. Yeah, today I just want you know what I'm saying. I want to call a spade a spade today, man. Like you know, it's a cop out for Gardner Minshew on the offensive line. You know, in my eyes, at least for a lot of people. And, you know, that being said, again, we're not saying the Jacksonville Jaguars are like this elite offensive line. But, again, oftentimes what you see in the league is, you know, some offensive lines with the right quarterback, man, they look significantly better than they would with a guy that, you know, that's indecisive or have, you know, whatever issues going on back there, man. So, yeah, man, I mean, I, I think, like, part of it is kind of a cop-out for Gardner Minshew, albeit, you know, I, I would take – you know, it was some options that I would have upgraded Cam Robinson over, admittedly, in free agency. Uh, but, you know, I guess they decided to do um, something else and, you know, and keep him and franchise him. But, you know, that's what we're stuck with. And, I mean, even with Cam Robinson, though, I think, you know, Gardner Minshew or, excuse me, uh, Trevor Lawrence could have a decent season back there. And then, 
uh, I guess, you know, in 2022 is when Walker Little would take over. And, you know, let me also kind of add this. You know, we've seen the video of Cam Robinson. It was before the draft, and he was talking to, um, I, I, I think it was Ashley that he was talking to about the excitement in the building. And, you know, he almost let it slip, of course, <laughs> who the number one pick was going to be. It was a really funny clip. Jay, speak, you know, I don't know if you can speak to this, you know, as, as someone who has actually played the game. You know, can a team be revitalized as well when a new player comes in that just injects life into the franchise? Because, I mean, when I'm watching that video, I see excitement in Cam Robinson's eyes. And, you know, not necessarily that it's going to maybe make him play better or care more, but I feel like that stuff matters, right? It surely does, because when you see a player, right, that you believe in and you see a player that you you think is the guy and then, you know, in their case, they're on a practice field with them. So they're going to witness this thing firsthand and see how, uh, you know, where he's better than Gardner Minshew at in person. Albeit they already know in their minds where he probably is better and what categories he's better in Gardner Minshew in person. But, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, like it was times, you know, in high school, like, uh, you know, you, you put a quarterback back there that you, you might not believe in as much as the next guy. Uh, but when the guy that you get in that you believe in and you know his abilities and this, that, and the other, it might have been somebody you grew up with and played Pop Warner with in, in middle school with. You play a little bit harder for that guy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because you know about his abilities and this, that, and the other. And, and then you also know the other person's flaws and deficiencies and where he lacks. So, yeah, you're right. Like, that whole thing about Cam Robinson, you know, his his face lighting up um, in an interview with Ashland. You can see it. I mean, like you saw it when they made the selection, right, at the draft party. It was Josh Allen and DJ Chark. You know, like I think Ashland, like um, she documented this as well or she put it on Twitter or she might have mentioned it. It might have been her, but she was saying, hey, DJ Chark is smiling from ear to ear. You know, Josh Allen is smiling from ear to ear here. You can see it in their face, you know, and we've already heard, you know, and it, uh, look, it's OTAs. You don't want to put too much in the OTAs, of course, but, you know, you already hear it and you can see it uh, from the players, right? Shaq Griffin, who has seen, and I, I wrote about this, and this is important because Shaq Griffin comes from the Seattle Seahawks. He's seen good quarterbacks. He's practiced against a good quarterback uh, day in and day out, and that's Russell Wilson, a future Hall of Famer. So, you know, he said he had high praise for Trevor Lawrence and, uh, you know, his his, his uh, skills when it comes to throwing a football and this, that, and the other, that kind of stuff is important. And you can already tell that, like, they're feeling what they see out of Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, you know, look, training camp can provide some hurdles for him, this, that, and the other, but we'll see. But right now, yeah, they're on a Trevor Lawrence high right now, and they really believe in him. Absolutely. And then, you know, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention – the backfield, of course, that is also a very important factor here, especially when we're talking about the uh, supporting cast. If we're going to look at the at three running backs versus three running backs between the Jags and the Jets, I mean, of course, you have James Robinson, Travis Etienne, and then Carlos Hyde. Compare that to with the Jets, who have Michael Carter, who, of course, was just drafted, Tevin Coleman, and then LaMichael P. Ryan. Now, of course, you have two guys in there from each team, of course, Jay with uh, ETN here on our side and then Michael Carter on the Jets side where you have to talk about, as we mentioned, you know, are you looking at that um, uh, that upside factor? Um, but I mean, just on James Robinson's, I mean, even on that one season alone, again, I'm going to give the edge to Jacksonville here. Tevin Coleman, of course, you're very familiar with him, uh, but his career, uh, you know, has kind of been a little bit of a journeyman after his Atlanta days and where he is now. So, but I mean, just Resting on the laurels of that one season from James Robinson is enough for me to choose the backfield of Jacksonville over what they have in New York. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, James Robinson put up astronomical numbers for an undrafted rookie, and he put up pretty good numbers for, you know, just a rookie if he was drafted. Those are good numbers that he put up last year as well. You know, if if he didn't play for Jacksonville, you know, he'd be highly praised for the season he had last year. And if he didn't, you know, this is partly the team's fault. If he didn't play for a losing team as well, he'd be uh, well-known. And, you know, like we were, you know, having conversations like, does this guy belong in the offensive rookie of the year uh, conversation? But, again, you know, you kind of hurt by that when you play for Jacksonville. But, I mean, even if you, like – and, see, you you may can – 
factor in potential here because we both, if you look at both depth chart, they both have uh, rookie running backs. If you wanted to do that, if you wanted to make an argument for that, I'm taking ETN over Michael Carter, who, by the way, I really like Michael Carter. I've retweeted a lot of his stuff. But I'm taking ETN over Michael Carter. And if I'm not mistaken, Michael Carter went to North Carolina, right? And if you want to make that argument, if you wanted to, again, we're factoring in what's known. And that's James Robinson was proven. But if you wanted to pull the rookies into this, ETN was arguably, you know, some people would say the best running back in ACC history. He certainly, the stats back it up. He's the highest uh, in, in terms of uh, rushing yards. He has the highest rushing yard total in ACC history. So, you know, from that standpoint, you know, even though they, they are two different running backs, but uh, you definitely would probably take ETN over Carter if, you know what I'm saying, even if you wanted to do that. But, again, like you said, we're focusing, again, on the upside. Uh, excuse me, not the upside, but we're focusing on what's known and the proven players. Uh, and we have two guys that have been proven uh, top the depth chart in terms of uh, James Robinson and Carlos Hyde, as you said. Yeah, and again, and, and I feel like maybe something that Jets fans might be be able to point out is, of course, James Robinson didn't play the full season. Remember when he went down, he was still, I believe, in the top three or four uh, rushing uh, in terms of the whole season. And he ended at number five, so it's not like he took a, a drastic dip. Um, as far as him you know, being in the Rookie of the Year conversation, we, of course, were big proponents of that, but it also didn't help Jay that, I mean, another rookie and Jonathan Taylor was third uh, in rushing. And of course, you know, even though he plays for a rival team where we were big fans of his as well. So uh, yeah, again, just looking at yeah, and comparing those two, uh, those two spots, as far as the running back position, I still give the edge over the Jaguars here. Um, and then, you know, the very last thing we'll talk about Jay, before we wrap up this episode is we're looking, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule here between these two teams. And if we're talking solely based on a rookie campaign, I mean, one thing that we, we of course, have to mention is Trevor Lawrence doesn't have to play Bill Belichick twice. He doesn't have to play the Buffalo Bills twice. He doesn't have to play the Miami Dolphins twice. Now, we have a couple of opponents that are, uh, we, we share a couple of opponents. We both play the Cincinnati Bengals. And then, of course, the Jaguars do play the AFC East. So we will see Trevor Lawrence and um, and Zach Wilson go head to head, you know, God forbid, barring any type of injury. It is pretty late in the season, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, they do have a couple of uh, of uh, shared opponents. So, you know, we'll have an opportunity to compare them side by side. Um, they both play the, the Falcons as well. Um, but just looking at the Jets schedule, I mean, playing in the AFC East, alone I feel like lends itself to Zach Wilson struggling a little bit more than Trevor Lawrence does Jay what do you think when you look at the schedules uh, when you compare them between what Zach Wilson's got to go through and what Trevor Lawrence is going to have yeah I'm glad you bring up that point because that was something that I had uh, wrote down but forgot about to mention is they do see a lot of the same opponents uh, because you know the Jaguars are going to play the AFC East, and you know we could probably at the end of the year look at those games. Granted, if they play, you know, if Lawrence and Wilson play in all of those games, we can look at those games uh, against AFC East opponents and kind of grade like who looked better and kind of make a judgment from there. If you you know you want to do that, uh, because that'll be interesting. You know, how does Trevor Lawrence affair, uh, fare against the same division that Zach Wilson is in? And, uh, you know, even, you know, Zach Wilson will be facing the AFC South. So, you know, we could kind of do that as well. So that that is a thing uh, that kind of helps in terms of this argument when we look back on it. But, yeah, uh, that being said, Phil, like, I would think Zach Wilson has the higher chance to struggle. You know, like you said, dealing with Bill Belichick twice, man. The Dolphins are ascending. They were one win away from the playoffs, you know, so that's a little bit difficult to deal with as well so uh who else is in that division I mean, he's gonna have a pretty tough test early on too i mean he starts off uh you know say what you want about carolina but then you have patriots broncos titans and you got to think those are three teams that are gonna try and beat him up i mean <laughs> that's that's a pretty rough start granted uh um and now granted on the other side of things just to 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 be fair um you know jack uh trevor lawrence will also uh play denver in week two um and then Tennessee week five, it looks like. So, I mean, he'll face some good defenses as well. But, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, if we're assuming he's going to be starting, of course, week one, 
uh, does have a tough, uh, you know, a tough road right out of the gate as well. And it'll be interesting. I think the Denver games for both of those quarterbacks will be good litmus test, right? We'll have a good idea of where they both stand early on in the season. Um, Cause you know, of course that Denver defense is still heavily, heavily respected and very talented. And yeah, to answer that question, the bills are also in that division. So yeah, that's not going to be easy by any means. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like at the end of the day, now that I look at their schedule, what will end up happening is they will end up making the argument. Jets fans will end up making the argument that their schedule was harder than the Jags. And that if Trevor Lawrence had the Jets schedule, he wouldn't be the rookie of the year. It's probably what end up happening. But again, like you said, the key factor is here. They play a lot of similar opponents. They play our division. We play their division. So that being said, you know, That'll probably be what we can look at as the gauge of which quarterback look look better between the two is the common opponents. Um, though, you know, like the, the whole schedule does present interesting, you know, arguments as well. And then watch Mac Jones beat both of them. I think that would be worst case scenario for everybody involved. You know what? I think I don't I'm you know, you, you can't never. I really say what Bill Belichick is going to do, but I think Cam Robinson, uh, excuse me, Cam Newton deserves to be uh, the starter there and just like hand the reins off to Mac Jones next year. But that's just me personally. I don't know what they'll do, but I hope Cam Robinson gets a fair chance to, uh, you know, run that team for the year. And I think they'll actually make the playoffs with him under center. Yeah. Cam Newton. Uh, So we'll see. I mean, Again, I think they'll play off. They are a playoff team. I mean, they weren't that far off last year when he was there. I mean, I know he missed some games due to COVID, but uh, that's a time will tell thing. I'll be watching that for sure in that division because that division, admittedly, I'll admit the Jets division is one of the more interesting ones in football. I mean, I think the argument could be made as well that the AFC East got better while the AFC South. I mean, maybe got worse is is necessary. Is it necessarily? It's it's a little bit too strong, but it either it, it stood still or it kind of downgraded a little bit, especially if Deshaun Watson, which we don't assume, is going to be available. So um, you know, it's yet to be seen what happens with Carson Wentz. We we have to see what the Titans' offense looks like as well. So you know, the argument can be made that the AFC East, I think, did get better and will be better. Um, so you know, we'll we'll see. Of course, how that pans out. The very last thing I want to bring up here, Jay, and we'll, we'll uh, wrap this episode up. This is, of course, was one of our longer ones. Is we've talked about this before too. I think you mentioned it just recently. Last year, the Jaguars were not a one-win team. There were definitely some games they should have won, probably could have won. But the Jets are a two-win team, right? I think that's one of the things that we need to talk about now granted i mean they've made some additions of course uh naturally but last year's jets team was a team that was worthy of the number one pick where maybe jacksonville should have been picking a little bit later whether it be four five six or or on i just feel like that's worth mentioning yeah that's a very good point yeah is that the jacksonville jaguars again like we were saying like five to six wins maybe six was a little too much but even four to five wins with what they had and I guess, like, you know, it's kind of hard. I have to look at their rosters on, like, um, our labs or something. But last year, if you looked at those two rosters, you know, in the beginning of the regular season, week one, whenever Doug Marone and um, Adam Gase named their 53-man rosters, you probably would say that the Jaguars roster was better than the Jets roster. And uh, like you said, that being said, man, it's <laughs> – uh, that's a good point that you make and you point out there is that uh, – and, and look, man – now I don't want I want to speak on this year. We'll, we'll speak. I was about to, to put a prediction on what they look like this year. We ain't gonna do that though. But yeah, but last year they certainly look like. I mean, like <laughs> if you're looking at the eye test, right? They look like they could have been the worst team in the league in terms of looking at the roster. Yeah, and, and in terms of watching them play at some points too. I mean, listen, Doug Marone took his bumps and bruises while he was here and uh, and got a lot of valid criticism, but I still would have. Doug Marone on any given Sunday over Adam Gase. I, I don't know that anyone is going to argue against that. Not only that, you know, Jets fans are familiar with Doug Marone. You know, he's New York guy, coached at uh in New York, by the way. And uh, yeah, like if you look at the seasons, by the way, the seasons were still kind of telling of who the better team was. The Jacksonville Jaguars, 
I think I looked it up. They lost five games, like, by three points or four points or something like that. So it was plenty of games that they were in, even with all of these injuries and whatnot. But with the Jets, like, I was watching the Jets. Of course, we were watching the Jets because we were hoping they would slip up and win some games. Like, I, I, it was times where I looked at the Jets and felt hopeless that they wouldn't win a game. And then on that one Sunday morning or one Sunday afternoon, they woke up. And the Rams woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And that's why I've always said it's always hard to go uh, winless in this league. And sometimes it's not even about the team uh, that sucks sometimes. Sometimes it's about the other team just waking up on the wrong foot and just having an off day. And it's just cons- it's just hard to consistently, uh, you know, wake up sharp in the NFL for 16 straight regular season games. It'll be 17 this year. You know, like that's just hard to do is just wake up the same team every Sunday. Or, you know, sometimes you play on uh, Monday or sometimes you play on Thursday or in the playoffs case, sometimes you play on Saturdays. But it's just hard to wake up on every regular season game. It's just hard to wake up the same team because, you know, the game is so strenuous and it's so taxing on the body and it's a tiring game. It's a physical game. And you know what I'm saying? Like they just, they might've caught the Rams on a time where they were just mentally and physically drained and uh, it showed. And look, I'm not complaining about it because, you know, they walked us right into uh, a generational prospect. We hope. Right. And don't get me wrong, Jets fans. I mean, if if there are any of that wandered over here and you're still listening to this episode, uh, just seething or something along those lines. I mean, listen, the two wins they have are quality wins. You beat the Rams, you beat the Browns. Those are two playoff teams. Give credit where credit is due. You won the games, and now, uh, you know, the quarterbacks landed where they landed. So, Jay, I mean, that pretty much covers it. Of course, we just wanted to have a little fun with this conversation, with it being, you know, the end of June, heading into July. You know, there's uh, not not too much that we can uh, talk about until they get back into training camp. But uh, nevertheless, there's still going to be plenty to look forward to. So, Jay, let them know, of course, anything else you're working on over at the Jaguars. Why or any other projects before we get out of here? Yeah, man, um, you know, it's not really going to be too much to talk about. I, I've done the most important stuff that you can do during this break between, uh, you know, training camp. Uh, I did a recently, feel free to check it out, by the way, uh, 53-man roster predictions, um, a post-mini camp 53-man roster predictions, if you will. That's up. Uh, we'll, of course, like we've been saying these uh, last few weeks, we'll be looking to see those contracts get signed. You know, I guess they're still dealing with some offset language with those four rookies, Trevor Lawrence, ETN, uh, Campbell, and Walker Little. So, I mean, those will get done in time. Of course, I don't think nobody's exactly worried about that, but we'll be watching that situation and, you know, monitoring like like we uh, talked about earlier in this podcast, the Bills stadium situation and what comes from that because that's important uh, for the Jaguars because they're kind of grouped together in that situation. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, we were looking to have a guest on this week. Um, I'll drop a hint. She uh, is kind of busy, but we will get her on eventually. Uh, closer to training camp is what we're hoping for. Um, so feel free. Uh, I mean, so um, stay tuned for that. And we'll have on other guests as well. As Phil has said, a wide variety of people, just a, a melting pot of different people whether it's, you know, people you see on TV or people that's doing it uh, on the underground level. We're just looking to bring you all some quality guests in here and uh, fill in all of this time between training camp and uh, now uh, with some quality episodes. Absolutely, folks. So make sure you stay tuned to not only all of our social media, but also the Jaguars Wire. Um, I will take some time to be a little bit selfish here. And uh, make a pretty cool announcement. Jay, this is actually something you don't even know. It, it kind of just came together over uh, these last couple of weeks. Of course, you guys are familiar, if you've been listening for a while, uh, with my other project, which is the Wait For It podcast, which is uh, my pop culture show that I host with our buddy Eric Cerna, who, of course, we have had on this podcast before. Um, we always have a blast when he is here. Um, so there is a anime and cosplay convention called Bold Matsuri. That is hosted here in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, they recently approached Eric and I uh, to host all of the panels, the Q&A panels uh, for that convention. So we're very excited. There are going to be a bunch of guests, uh, cool guests there uh, from different animes such as My Hero Academia, Dragon Ball Z, Ruby, 
all that kind of stuff. So they approached us. Uh, those uh, That show will be July 17th to the 18th. So in a couple of weeks. So Eric and I will be there all weekend. Uh, so if you are, uh, you know, an anime fan or anything or a cosplay fan or anything like that, um, along with a sports fan, you know, hopefully I will see you there. So we are very, very excited about that opportunity. But we are here at the end of the episode, guys. Thanks again so much for joining us. Again, if you enjoy the show and are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the awesome Believe Podcast library. You can find our social medias at Believe in Jags Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. So thank you guys so much. This has been Believe in the Jaguars presented by Bet Online. Don't forget to believe in the Jacksonville Jaguars, but more importantly, folks, believe in yourselves. We will see you next week.